Tim Keeper, MIBTOnline.com. Welcome to our broadcast this evening, our Wednesday night meeting, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Yes, we have uh, moved our time a little bit. Appreciate everybody making that adjustment because uh, just of certain things. So hope everybody's enjoying their last week off or maybe their first week uh, in between games or if you're like Mike Billica, you got a few more weeks to wait, but uh, we're still getting ready. We're still getting better. That's what we do here at MIBTOnline.com. So I want to thank everybody for joining us this evening for a little bit of football talk. So I want to go through our uh, our meeting tonight, our agenda, try to, try to keep things rolling right along. All right, so tonight, our meeting agenda, we'll have some announcements, as we always do. Uh, game week reminders. We're going to do a little segment. Like I like to call game week reminders because it's game week for most of us. And even if it isn't, it might be scrimmage week. So it's, it's a good reminder. So we're going to go through some of that. Then we'll have some film time. We'll have the play of the week. And then that'll be that. So our announcements real quick. Uh, new week, new um, Wednesday meeting time we've talked about. Hey, the website issues. We apologize. We've had some website issues here uh, in the last couple of days. Specifically on the coursework, okay, our, our, the, the video stuff has been working fine, but our courses have been uh, interrupted, but we should have that fixed now. So uh, just uh, everybody be apprised to that. You should be good to go on all your courses. Uh, remember, 7.30 p.m. Central, that's what we're going to do, our on-demand football clinic course like we just talked, that, that you're good there now. The free introductory to football officiating course is still there. It's free until September 1st, so we're running out of time here. So tell your buddies if they want to be a football official, this is a great way. Bill Amani's best practices, call on the field stands, that's still there too. Remember, for you subscribers, this is available on the Bill Amani page. You don't have to take the course, but if your buddies or somebody wants, wants the video, then they got to get it at the course page. So just to let everybody know about that. Also, uh, send in your videos. I guess somebody did send us a video um, through our texting and we were unable to see it but I'm gonna see if I can't track it down from another source so look for that video coming up so I appreciate that once again I remind everybody about social media follow us on all of these social media platforms all right game week reminders but before we get to our game week reminders I'm gonna bring in our our staff the people who are here that, that join us on a weekly basis, I mean, we're real happy to have them and their participation. So we're going to start, I think we're going to start things off with our, with our guy, uh, Robert Yabara. Let's bring in Robert. Robert, how are you doing today? And thanks for being here. Oh, wait, wait, Robert, hang on. You guys were all chit-chatting. and I forgot to unmute you. So that now I should be able to hear you, Robert. Robert, how are, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. I feel healthy, mind, body, and spirit. Thank you for hosting this meeting tonight. I'm here to learn with everyone else. Thank you, members, for joining us. It's going to be an exciting night. Yep, I, I hope it's going to be an exciting night as well. And we are going to bring in Mike Billica. Mike, he hasn't been with us in a while, but he's here tonight. Mike, how are you doing? Doing great. I worked a couple of scrimmages today, and it's great to get snaps. And I'm really looking forward to the season and talking plays with you guys. Great. Well, I appreciate you being here. And last but not least, Mr. Bill Amanye is here. Bill's been off uh, a couple weeks uh, doing some stuff, but we're happy to have Bill. Bill, thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, good to be back and looking forward. I'm going to, like mentioned to the guys, I'm going to go out tomorrow night and watch a 
freshman or sophomore game at one of the local schools. So it'll be good to go out and see some football. Absolutely. And uh, we know you've got a, a full schedule ahead as well of, of plenty of football games, which I'm sure we will get into as the season moves forward. So uh, let's go through our our presentation tonight real quick before we get to our film. So this is a segment that I'm calling Game Week Reminders because I had a game last week. And these are certain things that I think sometimes we might forget, things that you know, that fall through the cracks, things that are good to know on any game day, but maybe uh, before we might have forgotten through the, uh, through the off time. So here are some, some game week reminders for you. All right, the first thing is administration and communication. So what are we talking about administration and communication? Well, it could be many things. It could be communicating with the schools, communicating with the athletic director or coaches or however the protocol is. But this is important because you want your crew to start off on the right foot and knowing exactly where they're going to be, who your, your contact person is. Are you going to do your pregame via Zoom before you get to the school? Are you going to do your pregame at the school? Is your pregame going to be DFU for those of you that just, yeah, I mean, however you do it, I mean, I recommend you do some sort of pregame to get ready for the season, ready for calling some action. But it's important to make sure you've got that lined up, that you know exactly where to go and get that communication to the whole crew. Other ways we communicate are the O2Os. So the O2Os we use to talk with one another. It's really good because a lot of times we don't use O2Os on scrimmages. So it's really good to, to do that O2O and discuss it, how that O2O, that communication between your crew. Do you want the chitter chatter? Do you want the, um, only the pertinent information? The things that are important for that specific play or situation. I think sometimes, you know, the O2Os when they allowed us to use those have been a great tool, but sometimes they can get a little chitter chatter and sometimes people just don't, you know, it's just too much noise. But just if, if you have a good discussion with your crew on how you're going to handle those O2Os, then in the end, you know, you know you're going to be, you're going to do it in the right way. You're going to have it, you're not going to have that chitter chatter or that, you know, that crazy stuff that maybe we don't want on that. So Mike, I'm going to ask you, Mike, what do you say to you? I mean, you're a referee, and, and I know at college level, but what are some of the instructions that you give your crew before the season or, or about working with the O2Os? Well, I tell them, first of all, we don't abandon any of our other signals. So all the ways that we normally communicate with each other, with our hand signals, with even our voice, getting together in conference to talk about a penalty enforcement, all that stays. Um, the things that we use the radio for should be very short things like the number of a player. Um, I will actually ask guys if they're conferencing to go ahead and push the talk button um, so that all the officials can hear the conversation as well during a conference. But most importantly, shut it off when I'm about to do my announcement. That's a really, that's some really good advice because if the referee has a microphone, it can mess them up. So good advice there. So take that as, you know, as you're moving forward, uh, with, the, with the O2Os. The other thing is, is chain crew communications. We have to communicate with the chain crew when we get there. And a lot of times, you know, the nice thing is that sometimes on a varsity game, you may end up having 
a parent or a coach or of another sport or something like that or a paid uh, employee who's going to do this. But there are many times where it's not. I mean, you might even have the luxury of having a, of, of like up-and-coming football officials, but that's rare. So the, the discussion with the chain crew, especially at lower-level contests, is important on how to keep them involved in the game. And like I said, sometimes you know you just don't know what you're going to get. It could be it could be a crapshoot. It could be you know you, like I said, you could have anything. But we have to work with them, and they can make us look good or bad. So do what you can to communicate with the chain crew. Now, Robert, you will work the chains many for many years and stuff like that. What are some tips, just some real quick tips that you can tell our, our, our viewers and our subscribers and everything on how to work with the chain crew prior to the season, you know, getting ready to go here? Yeah, you know, you know what I'm gonna share since you gave me this opportunity, this spotlight moment? I'm gonna share something that I learned last week from Matt Grable. He works division one football and he said something to me that I had not leveraged before with the chain crew. And what he suggested and said as a best practice that he focuses on is if you have a chain crew where you have more than three members, so if you have a fourth member, typically the person with the clip, if you have a fourth member on the chain crew, leverage that resource by having them always position where we would have an infraction uh, an ineligible player downfield on a pass play if the pass is thrown beyond the line of scrimmage. So in college, it would be the three-yard position. High school, it's two. But he suggested even at high school, put that resource at the three-yard because if you get to that person, you can take a quick – if you get to that person, at least now you have a good another point of reference to have, even if you're across the field. Uh, and if everyone knows, to use that chain crew member as a resource to know if we got an eligible player downfield on four pass. That is a bonus on top of everything else that we kind of leverage with the chain crew. Um, and I don't know if we want to dwell in the fundamentals with this sophisticated membership, but we can certainly do that if members, if you have a question specifically, we can answer them through the chat. But I thought that would be an interesting thing to talk about, Tim. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if you have any questions uh, or, or things that you might want to know specifically about the chain crew or working with, or any, even the O2O or, or whatever, this is just more of a reminder, like just kind of, you know, we, we do know we're not trying to talk down to anybody. This is just reminders, things that, that we might have forgotten in the off season. So I'll come back to Robert in, in here in a minute to see if we've got any uh, other questions on this. So moving right along, let's talk about touchbacks. Okay, so touchbacks and fair catches. And I did throw the text number up there for those who um, want to see it, but uh, or who want to text. We do have Robert Mann in the text line. So touchback and fair catches. One of the things that we forget about this is the ball position. And what I mean by that is that when, a, when we have a touchback, we need, or the, the offensive team has an option of where they want to put the ball in play in, in between the two inbound lines on the 20 or you know college 25, but we're going to stick with high school, obviously. So we can put it in between, or we can put it in play anywhere in between those lines. Same thing in high school with a fair catch. So the thing that we sometimes forget is communicating with the coach and finding out where they want that ball. Now, a lot of people will say, we're going to always go in the middle of the field unless you tell us something different. I don't care what you do, but you've got to know that that is an option and you've got to be ready to address it one way or the other. O2Os are great with that as well. But don't forget about that one. That's, I think sometimes that's one we, we may 
forget about, unfortunately, just because it doesn't, you know, we're just kind of getting, we're kind of getting back, we're kind of getting back into the swing of things. So I'm going to ask Bill here real quick. I'm going to go to Bill. Bill, when you were the referee, what, when you wanted, when we had touchbacks, how did you want your guys to handle this? Did you talk to the coach before the game to find out, well, if we got a touchback, we're just going to go to this position unless you tell us over? How did you handle that? I, I expected the wing officials on that sideline to talk to a coach before, and that was one of the things. Don't just go out there before a game and hang out, you know, taking in the scenery. Communicate, talk to coaches. Tell them types of information that you'll be coming to them with on penalty options, free kick situations, uh, and that for ball placement. And so when that would happen, I just want to look over there and I'm going to get, you know, we didn't use radios at the time I was on the field, but I would just want a thing using the numbers one, two, three, four, five uh, from the press box side up and and put it at the hash, put it at the at the post, put it in the middle, put it at the other post, put it on the far hash. Uh, get that quickly. I mean, that's stuff that that allows you to be fluent uh, with um, getting the ball ready and getting the game moving. So I, I just have that anticipation that I want that, that wing official on that side communicate before the game and then get it taken care of during the game. Yeah, I think it's really bad when, we, when it looks it doesn't look the best when we put the ball down and all of a sudden, no, I'll put it on the right hash, put it on the left hash. You know, that sometimes can make us not look as, as good as we, we want. So there's, a, there's something to take away. So moving on, so like I said, get those ball positions, know what they want to do. So this one's interesting. Crew in position, ready to officiate before the ready for play. Now, sometimes, you know, obviously we always don't, the ready for play has changed. The ball's been ready if it's once it's down, if we're, we have got plays after change of possessions or other intervals, we can blow the ball ready for play in high school. But as referees, referee, referees survey the field. I was working, uh, I worked a game, uh, high school game and a college scrimmage this weekend, and I noticed our, the referees were not making sure that their officials were in position to officiate before when they had the opportunity to put the ball ready for play. This is extremely important because when you're not, you, you have somebody not in the right position, they may not see the play, they may put themselves in a potential injury situation, we could have other players on the field, we could have injuries. So as referees, survey the field, take a look before you blow that ball ready for play and make sure all of your officials are in proper position before you chop it in. So uh, next one, um, I, don't know, I kind of jumped around. We'll get to the line again. So penalty enforcement. These are, these are a couple things that we've talked about before. I'm going to go wide so you can see that. We'll get to the line again exercise here in a second. But penalty enforcement, result of the play, and clock status. I noticed one of the things that happened this week in, in our game, one of the games I had, is that we messed up on the result of the play. Now, I happened to umpire, which was kind of interesting. I haven't umpired in a long time, but I had fun doing it. And the result of the play could be something very simple. And the clock status is something very simple that we could forget. It could be a long run, goes out of bounds, and then we're coming back. And nobody just, we get to the end, and what do we do with the clock? And the official 
who ruled it out of bounds, might have not have been on the call, might have had something else, might have been on the call and been distracted by that. So clock status result of the play. These are important aspects of penalty enforcement, so don't forget about them. So when you get ready to do your games this week or your second game or whatever, these are things to remind ourselves that can just make us better. They're going to take us over the top and, and get us to the next level. Now, the, this last item, and then we're going to go to Robert and see if there's any questions before we go to our film, is a, it's called the line to gain exercise. And what this is about, so on my college scrimmage this last week, what ended up happening is they played a half of a game and then they decided to go to split the teams, offense, defense, offense, defense, on each half of the field going in. And we had enough guys where we were able to split up the crew. And I was the lucky H, headlinesman, without the chains. The chains went to the other side. But they still wanted to know the down and the distance. And they were keeping track, even though they would, you know, they do so many plays, if they would get stop them on fourth down, they'd go back to the 40 and start over. So it wasn't just like a scripted X amount of plays. We had to keep track of, well, I did, because nobody else was, of what the actual down and distance was. And it was amazing to me how without the chains and without the box, how every play I was able to go, this is what it is, this is where I'm starting, this is my line to gain, and, and then if we had a penalty, I was able to go back and say, all right, because we didn't have a box either, remember, so our line of scrimmage was this, our line of gain was this, now our line of scrimmage is this, and our line to gain is still this, and it's third down, or repeat second down, or whatever it might be. So I'm not, we'll call it a higher level, way of, 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 of approaching the game. But I recommend if you still have a scrimmage or you have a game where you, you can pretend you don't have chains and if you screwed up, it's not going to be that big of a deal, try this. Because now when you get in a game, you're going to be right on. You're not, if the chains were to, were to actually move for some reason, you already know what the line of scrimmage was. You already know what the line of game was. So these are things that, like I said, it's kind of an exercise. Do you want to do it in a real game when a lot of things are going on? No, you might not do that. But the more you can, the better off you're going to be. You're going to take yourself from like this level to that level to that level. And if something were to happen, everyone's going to be like, wow, how did you know that? How did you know where? In fact, it was funny because we had a penalty and then I'm like, well, the line against this and the, and the umpire after was, how did you remember all that stuff? And it was just, I was just going through the process and I got, I started to get this system in my head and it seemed to work. So. It's just something that, like I said, I suggest that if you, if you can, you can try it. If not, you know, don't worry about it. But I think it, in the, it would make, it does help, I should say, in making it, you know, bringing you to that next level of actually figuring out what that is. So I'm going to go over to Robert now before we move to our videos here. Robert, were there any questions from anybody out there that they want us to go over some of the stuff that we talked about. Maybe they want a little bit more detail, or maybe people have their own comments that they want to say on stuff that they're doing to get ready for the season. Yeah, Tim, uh, there's actually two topics that we should, probably should touch on because there was more than one member that was kind of asking or commenting on. And, and the first one has to do go back to the old two O's, which is official to official communication. Sorry for the acronym. But many comments were related to the new rules and reminding crewmates of the importance of the play clock and then under two minutes. So yeah, I think the O2Os are a great way to remind, especially 
especially get that back judge, make sure that back judge is on the same page with everyone. If we have a defensive penalty this year in high school football in Illinois, actually it's a federation rule. We're going to start to come out with that. If there's only a defensive foul with the 42nd play clock, likewise, if there's defensive injury um, or a defensive equipment. So, you know, those, those things can uh, add into a little bit of uncertainty on a crew, but the play clock situation is very important and the old tools work out great in that regard. Secondly, when we're under two minutes, uh, definitely remind your crewmates that we're under two minutes, obviously, because in the offended team will get an option if they want that that uh, game clock to begin on the snap. So uh, we just have to be mindful when we're under two minutes in those case situations. And then finally, on another subject, what was brought up, uh, you actually, Tim, you brought it up, when, when regards to the, the line to gain and knowing where the line to gain is without looking back, you know, there's some best practices that are being yeah. shared and some are not as good in math as others. You know, if we're going from the 37 to the 47, sometimes we're at the 47 going to the 43 if we're crossing midfield, things of that sort. But best practices shared amongst our members, and I really like this. I thought I would share with everyone. And that is rather than count numbers, just counting big lines and ticks. So do you have to count, do you have to cross one big line and how many ticks? You know, obviously one big line and four ticks would be nine yards or, one, or maybe it's uh, two ticks and then a big line. But you see how it eliminates the numbering. Now you're just focusing on the imagery. And, uh, and on the field, you may not have good numbers. Lighting may not be great, things of that sort. But uh, I thought that was a nice best practice to share with everyone tuning in tonight. No, it's funny because that's how I do it as well. Um, even though I did this exercise, when I'm out on the field, I'm like big line plus two, big line plus three, that type of stuff. So before we before we get to the get to the film, um, our, our film review for the uh, evening, I would like to bring in Bill real quick. Bill, you know, you, obviously you're getting ready for the season a little bit differently than maybe some of us. But what are some of the things that you remember, like that you always kind of did before the start of the season to get ready? Uh, you know, obviously the rule, they're doing all this. We've already done this, but those other maybe those little nugget little things that maybe we haven't talked about. Well. You know, you hit some of it already. Uh, a penalty enforcement's a big thing because uh, I always felt that as a referee, I was probably the worst at communicating to the crew. I always had their expectation to report ABCD to me. Uh, but then when I'd have a penalty, I'd just be off there in, um, announcing it and that, and they'd be saying, what do you got? We'd like to know too, you know? So right. it was a lesson yeah. for me about uh, making sure that I communicate to the umpire, treat the umpire like the referee and do the reporting in the opposite way that way. Uh, the other thing on that is, is that uh, one of the guys I work with, Brett Durbin, he was a believer in empowering his, his chain crew. He wanted them to talk, especially the front stake guy. You know, he said, you're never going to hurt my feelings if you tell me, hey, first down, first down, or it's close. Take, you want to take a look at it, take a look at it, or you're short. He wanted them. He said, I had the right to accept or reject anything they were saying, but he said, I'd like to have them in my ear because if they, if they saved me once, you know, during the season, he said, I owed them. Um, the other thing is when you talk about it, you know, about not knowing down and distance, it's complacency. We know better. It, it's a basic fundamental thing to know down and distance before every snap, but we get complacent and you need to catch yourself being complacent because you're going to get away with it and it's not going to be a big deal. First and 10, you only gain three yards, but no big deal. 
but when it's getting close to that line to gate or just beyond it or whatever, you need to know and, you know, and not look over your shoulder. Maybe your partner from the other side helps you because he's seeing through you. Um, but complain, get rid of the complacency. Uh, this is just one example of complacency, but that's the reason we miss that so many times. Don't know down a distance. Yep. No, you're right. And we've talked about it before. So it's just one of those things to, as you get ready to go, think about it, think about that complacency, you know, so that way you can try to minimize it. I think it, in some aspects, we're always going to have maybe it a little bit, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, we don't, we know better you know, hopefully we'll do better. But you know, every once in a while, I think it's going to creep in. So our goal is to try to prevent it from creeping in as most as we possibly can. All right, so now we're going to go. We're going to go to our plays here. So it's film time, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. So this first play, I want to set up. This was a game that I was on. Like I said, I was an umpire, and it is a high school game with five officials. And we're going to get some cool videos this year because we, you know, we're in the process. You know, we try to, we're trying to make a, the official better, make the game better through the official. That's our mission statement. So we're investing in that. We're investing in you. We're investing in us to try to do that. So we've actually got some additional game footage that we've never had before. And this is the start of it. So you're going to see a lot more of this. So that's why I'm really excited about that. I want to pull the text line down for a moment. We're going to get to that in a minute. So here's our, here's our play. We're going to set up, we're going to go through our normal progressions. So the down and distance, it's second and 10. And we're, we, we're at the 30, looks like we're right about the 33 yard line. Now, if we're, if we're looking at what we have here, what type of formation we have, it's just, we've got a tight end over here. He can't really see his helmet, but there's a tight end there. And then we've got this slot back. So You've got an end here and an end here. So you basically got a balanced formation. You do have a back on this side, which can then sometimes, you know, maybe decide which way you're going to go. You can also see who's being pressed. Remember, we always talk about when we're deciding on keys and priorities, where the competitive matchup is. So I think there's a competitive matchup right here. So even though a lot of times many associations would have the back judge, if, the, if it's a balanced formation, go to the line judge's side, would come over here. I don't know if that would be the best, uh, best way to utilize our officiating abilities. I think it would be best for the back judge to come there, since that is being pressed or being a, a competitive matchup. So you let the play play out here a little bit, and you got a guy in motion. That really doesn't change anything, because when the ball snapped, you still, you're still are pretty, pretty balanced, pretty, pretty even. Now you can see, We've got a pass, you know, looks to, everybody looks to be in a passing blocking technique. And the quarterback was in shotgun, but he could be handing it off, which he is. So, you know, these, these zone blocks, now our, our center does come out and he should give it away. But if you look, our center is not more than two uh, yards downfield. So even though you know, it's like they, they pop up. They don't really fire out. This is the way they block nowadays. It could be that run-pass option. But since they are coming out, even though they stood up, and I'm probably thinking run at this point. But 
doesn't matter. We, we still would be legal if this ball would be passed as long as we didn't have any contact downfield. So as this play goes, if I'm the back judge, I want to know where I'm going. I got my tight end right here. All right, he got off. The tight end got off. If I'm this official, you know, I got a guy in front of me. I got a guy coming at me. Do I have some blocking here? Possibly, but that's where the umpire is looking at this engagement. So, and our referee is probably looking at this engagement here as well. That's what I'm thinking. If I if if I were in any of these different positions on the play. Now, we're going to focus in up here. You're going to get a close-up of it here in a moment, but I want you to focus in on here. You're going to see what's going to happen here. Well, if you saw that, you probably did. You're going to get a slow motion close-up of it. That was a little wide wide shot, but here's a, here's a slow motion close-up. Now, remember, this is the tight end who's come off, okay? Looks like he's going to block him. This is the wide out right here that was on the on uh, you know, in the slot on the wide out, on the wide side, but coming down this way. So here we go. We're letting it play out. And now you can probably see that right there. So my question is, is that, you know, it's probably pretty obvious to everybody looking at this, that that is a, that's a, that's an illegal blindside block. Um, because it's pretty obvious, you know. You, sh you show it in slow motion. You'll see it in the. It's in the small screen again, but I'll go. I'll, I'll take it wide out or wide again, and you can just see he comes down. Now the question is, is is who's going to see this? Now the umpire, which is me, I caught. I don't know if you can see my head. I caught the back end of it, but I got. I had point of attack blocking right here, but that I heard it and that picked up, you know, my my senses last second but i saw it right there so it's like am i gonna am, am i gonna call that after seeing you know after seeing that right there am i, am I gonna call that i didn't see the beginning middle and end it sounded bad but i didn't see it, it could have been an arm extension that put him there but i caught it at that point and it pulled me away from this block that i that i'm, I'm showing here which Probably shouldn't have because that's still a potential point of a, a point of attack block. So, going uh, let's go wide and just let it play out again. Uh, I'm gonna go back to the to the wide like the actual not the close up, but looking at it, my question is is that if you're the back judge, what are you looking at? I mean, this guy's taking you to this right here. If you're the H, are you coming here? I don't think so. So the fact that, that this block was missed was very disappointing to me because I'm thinking that we're, as officials, what are we looking at? And that's why I wanted to start off going through the keys and priorities and how we, sh we switch to zone when that happens. Because I think sometimes we forget about that. I think sometimes we forget that we're actually officiating players and the game not necessarily our keys, that, that, you know, our priorities, keys, priorities, initial keys at the snap. Now, Mike, I'm going to go to you real quick, um, and then I'm going to go to Robert, and then I'll go to Bill. So, Mike, play like this, your line of scrimmage, back judge. I mean, how do we miss? I, I, I'm just, I'm kind of perplexed. I just don't know how, how we miss something like this. 
Well, I mean, somebody wasn't looking. I, I would assume that actually two officials were probably looking at the same matchup. That's that's my guess, because somebody wasn't looking at that matchup. There's somebody with a brick in his hand who anytime we have a wide out that's going inside, um, I definitely want to have eyes on him, especially as a short wing. I'm, I'm going to grab that guy and look at him um, only because I would be worried my back judge might be screened um, on the contact. But on this one, I would expect to see two flags, not just one. Yeah, so would I. After after watching the film, that's kind of kind of where I was going on on it. But you know, film is that's why we're you know we're trying to get better. That's what we're doing. So, Bill, I mean, on a on a play like this, Bill, where where you see that type of contact, and really it was like the only engagement outside, out you know, out in the open. It's kind of disappointing. I mean, that's why you know I'm not trying to throw these guys on the bus or anything like that. You know, I worked with these guys. I'm gonna work with them again this weekend. So it's like fine, but how do it's like we it's just try to get better. Like if you're going into your week one, you can't miss a play like this. This is a biggie. Uh, Bill can't hear you. I think you might be muted. How's that? There you go. All right. Um, you know, no question, it's been missed. It's a, and it's a safety situation. Uh, the thing that it's too bad we don't have the ability to do because if it was one of us. The answer would be is, why did we miss it? What was I looking at? What, you know, why didn't I see this? Uh, why didn't I react to it? Um, they're the only ones that can really answer the question as to why it got missed. All I can do is look at it and say, wing official and back judge, uh, it's a, in, in terms of scoring, it's a downgrade. It's a missed call. Um, but I can't tell you why they missed it. Um, they that that's the thing that when we get a chance to look at film and we can put it on the table and say why it why it was this why it was that uh, that's where we all get a chance to learn the person who was involved with it and the other people on the crew no and I, and I think that's true and i did ask i asked after it happened i asked the back judge what did you see there i caught the back end of it and he's like i was concentrating on the tight end and I was like, okay, you know, in the game, you're like, okay, that's fine. Maybe the tight end was doing it. I didn't see the tight end. And now you go, the tight end brought him to that block. So it's like, well, if you're concentrating on the tight end, then you should have seen that block too. But you're right. I mean, it's not trying to, it's just one of those things to try to try to get better. And I think these guys will get better after. But it's, it's these safety falls are really important. Well, the other part to it is, is that when, when you can put your mistake on the table and and explain it and own up to it you're going to get crew support you're going to get you're going to get tips from other people on the crew and it's happened to them or how they handle it now um when you take and just make an excuse nah you're you're not getting the crew support uh that you could have gotten so you know it's a strength to be able to put it on the table and say hey i missed it i was focused on the wrong thing but uh, I should have should have been on that, you know. No, that's uh, you know that's what we're that's what we're looking for. So Robert, you're the ba- you're a back judge, so obviously <laughs> this is kind of your bread and butter play as a back judge. Um, I mean, I guess the wing could could have gotten involved, like Mike said as well. But from a personal standpoint, this is one we can't miss. From what you're, you're what you how do you what are some of the techniques that you go to make sure you don't miss something like this and then give me some of the comments that may be coming through on the text 
Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you, Tim, for asking. There are some comments that are coming in, but like you asked, I'll, I'll just share my experience first. And, and, it, and it does begin with the mindset when, when you do take the field. And that is, and I sent this to my conference officials, get the cheap shots, right? Manage the game clock, be great communicators, get the cheap shots. I mean, yeah, you, you're not going to feel bad if you miss, you know, suspect holding or a suspect block in the back. But for me personally, yeah, that I would be upset with myself if I saw the the game film afterwards and noticed that I missed a call like this. And I have had nights like that, and it is disturbing. At the same time, learning from it. Now, organically, Tim, like you had mentioned, my eyes are going to go right where the contact is. So I have no excuse for missing this. I have no excuse. So that's something that I would have to, you know, come to a, a, a forgiveness of myself, want, you know, preparing in the next week, what did I, what did I do that took me off this contact? Why was I late? Because why? My key was leading me right into the contact. The ball and the direction of the play was leading me right into the contact. And then you have this Yahoo receiver coming in, blowing up his opponent in what, what was what we know is a safety issue. So uh, that that's my take on it, Tim. But I, you know, with the experience, we're going to grab this more times. We're going to miss it. Now, what are what are the viewers yep. saying? The viewers are saying that the back judge or the wing official should get this. That's what the unanimously what they're saying. No one is coming back and saying giving excuses. No, no one is. So, you know, as an MIB team member, you know, take accountability, like Bill said, and we're all going to grow and learn from it. No matter if we have a we get this call or if we miss it, at least at least going forward, we should be mindful of these type of plays. We we definitely don't want to miss going going into our next contest. No, absolutely. That's what we're trying to do. Take a play like this and then learn from it. And if now if you know you see a similar setup and you're not as a back judge or a wing, you're going to officiate the play, not necessarily say you know key this or that. So that was that one. We got a, a we've got more plays from that game coming up here. But this was the one that this is kind of a goofy play. So I'm going to go wide on this. Hopefully we can see it. I know it's got the uh, I'm going to pull down the it's it's like that you know, the phone feed, but hopefully we can all see this. And actually, I'm, I'm going to go to the draw function, so that way I can kind of telestrate it here a little bit. This is an interesting one, kind of along those same lines of safety. You can see that the ball's bouncing, so nobody, it's a, this is a kick, okay? So this is a, this is a punt, scrimmage kick, ball's bouncing, nobody's touching it, and now the receiver decides, and now 21 makes a block like that. So here you go, once again, and this is like talking about getting the big stuff. All right, so 21, the, the defender, his focus is not on number 21. His focus is on the ball carrier. Now, number 21 hits him. Now, here's the question. Is this a blindside block? They say, well, it's a blindside block, but is this an illegal blindside block? Would you call this forcible contact? To a player who is not in a position to defend the block, is that enough? Is that is that something that we want called? Here you go, one more time. And I want here. I'm going to put the text number on. I want I want everyone's opinion on this. This is this is opinion time. So go ahead and text Robert your opinion. I'll give you mine here when it's when it's done or or in a, in a second. So is this enough? And you know what, Mike. I see you sitting there. He's kind of, kind of concentrating. 
see if I can get, get Mike up here ready to go. Um, give me one second, we'll get Mike. All right, Mike. So you see let's, this let's play, give these, Mike. Let's give, let's give these viewers another 10 seconds to respond just yeah. before you give your answer there, Mike. They're, they're now starting to populate. So let, let's let them populate oh, here. Oh, wait. Well, no, they can. They can. Uh, Mike's on delay, so Mike, Mike can go. So okay. Mike, by the time they, by the time Mike says something, they're gonna, they're gonna already get their answer. So Mike, what do you got on, on a play like this? What, what do you, what do you think? Well, I'm not sure this is the one that they want to be a blindside block. He doesn't, he doesn't come up from a distance. He's basically standing still. Um, I would talk to him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't flag it. All right, so you would talk to him. You wouldn't flag it. Okay, I'm good with that. Um, I'm going to get a little bit more specific here. Mr. Uh, Mr. Lemagne, uh, you, see, you see a play like this. You got this guy, you know, what, what do you, you got this as an illegal blindside block. Well, first of all, it was a pick by the back judge uh, for his <laughs> position on the play. Uh, but, um, you know, good screen. Uh, but, no, I do not have that as an illegal blindside block that's not what i believe the rule is intended to to do well you know what that that's a great point because i was that was kind of where i was going to go go next with that we're going to talk a little bit about the back judge and and his positioning so i appreciate you pointing that out so we'll get there so robert i'm going to go to you now and uh tell me what what most of the people are saying out there most do not have a foul Thank goodness. There's a few that think it is a foul, so I respect that, and we'll talk about it. But uh, the majority, no foul. All right, so majority, no foul. I'll go back to the play. Here it is. You know, we talk about blindside blocks being a safety, a safety foul. So look at the speed. Look at the speed of everybody. It's really hard for me to say that number 21 is going to get enough. I mean, it is a judgment call, but in the end, is number 21 going to get enough momentum to really cause you know injury there, cause this to be truly a forcible blindside block that could create you know a potential injury or put the player in a vulnerable position? It just doesn't. It just doesn't look like there's enough room. There's just not enough. Enough time. Now, if he used his helmet, helmet, you know, went helmet to helmet, or did something like a headbutt, then yeah, maybe we can we can elevate this. But it just looks like he just kind of blocked him off, and he just and even the player, he just kind of gets knocked off stride. He doesn't even really like fall down. He just gets knocked off stride. He keeps going. So my personal opinion on this play is that I, I don't want to call this. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on this. But going back to the play, talking about the back judge, we have to be careful on plays like this to not get sucked in. Bill brought up a great point that the back judge sets a pick. And he kind of does. Because he's getting in, he's getting ready to do something that he doesn't need to do. And it's so funny because maybe that even that potential blindside block didn't even have to happen because I don't think the player, you know, the red player or whatever, orange, whatever color they are, maroon could have gotten there because the back judge is boxing him out boxing out the uh, offensive player kind of too so that's another thing to be very mindful of is a play isn't over until a play is over this play wasn't over and we put our back our back judge put himself 
in a position to be part of the play instead of officiate the play. So that's what you always want to remember that you want to be you want to officiate the play. You don't want to be part of the play. So Robert, any uh, any last minute uh, comments on this? I see you smiling. Yeah, we did have some members like Dave Bender. You know, he that was one of the first thing he said before no blindside block was. What is that official doing out there? Yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing when you when you when you become part of the part of the you know the strategic maneuvers of the runner. Mercy, but nonetheless to say, everyone everyone seems to be understand. They they got a good explanation on why it's not a blindside block. Those who didn't have a foul initially are you know happy that they got it right on on their first take. So that's great, Tim. I think we can move forward. All right, awesome. So we'll move on to our next play. I'll take the text line down here just for a second so we can see it. We'll go wide on it. This uh, is uh, going back to the game that I officiated. So I wanted to talk about goal line mechanics a little bit. And the reason why I wanted to discuss this using this play is because when, the, when we're at the goal line, we have to change our mechanics a little bit. It doesn't matter where you officiate. Somebody somewhere has to go to the goal line as a wing, as a short wing or as a flank, whatever you want to call it. they got to go to the goal line, either it's at 5 or 7 or wherever. At some point, they're going to the goal line. Definitely at 2, 3 yards, they're going to the goal line. And that creates issues in regards to some of the coverages, in regards to now our new rule about whether the ball reaches the line of scrimmage, if the quarterback's out of the uh, lateral limits of the free blocking zone, and eligibles downfield. Those were always there. You know, now it's a little bit different um, view based off of how the play happens and where we can go. And, and sometimes now the umpire might have to help out where, in the, where we're, we're trying to get the umpire out of these plays. And, and so it's just, just, that's kind of the setup because that's what we're doing. We're down at the goal line and you're going to see this is kind of a broken play. Now we're going to start out with, with what everybody's looking at. So obviously, like I said, we've got, we've got an L we got an H, and they're going to be going right to the goal line at the snap because we're about the about the three yard line, so that we 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 know that, so we know they're going there. But we still have our, our keys and priorities, and that's important down here because that's where the, when we get compressed like this, this is where the things can get kind of kind of goofy, and and we can have some bad stuff. But we really have trips out here to the wide side because we've got a tight end. We've got a player here, and we got a player here. Ooh, cool, I changed colors. Um, so we know that that's what our formation is. But now, who's got who? So if I'm the back judge, you know, am I coming here? Am I going here? Am I this official? Am I coming here? we gotta, we got to know where we're, all, where we're looking. I'm hoping that the back judge is probably coming here because that's really your only competitive matchup. This player, this defensive player, is looking in. It doesn't look like he's going to engage. But we got to be ready for that as well. And this player is a little bit back, but it looks like we could have something happen right here at the snap. So hopefully our, our H is ready for that. So we kind of know where everybody's looking. We'll let the play go out now. And you'll see it's a pass. Now there is. You see this contact right here. So hopefully our back judge is looking at that. Or somebody is looking at that. I'm hoping our back judge. If you look at our back judge, it kind of looks like he's looking over here. I mean, yeah, I guess we could have this potential. We could have a potential pick right here and then free this guy. So, I mean, there is that. But this right, but there's, that hasn't happened yet. This is where we need to know if that guy got off the line clean. We also need to know right here, too, 
what's going on. And it looks like our H has moved. So who's going to take the line? Our umpire. Our umpire is going to watch the line, and so is our referee. So we know that now. So we know what's going on there. Now, I don't know if you can see it. The quarterback kind of fumbles, you know, or fumbles it and muffs it, whatever. He recovers. So now we have a broken play, sort of. This is not planned. Now, the quarterback, what's he going to do? Now, we talked a little bit about this earlier, why this is important. What's going to happen? This, this, now, this quarterback, this passer, can do a bunch of different things now that he's outside the lateral limits of the free blocking zone. He, there, there's receivers here, and they're kind of standing around looking for the ball. So he could turn and throw it to them. He could not see them and turn and throw the ball away, which would be completely legal as long as the ball got to the line of scrimmage. And so, but we also can't have, you know, ineligibles downfield. And it looks like our offensive line is, is well behind us, so they're not an issue. But if you look, the umpire moves up to the line of scrimmage because right now he's the only person who can judge on the line of scrimmage whether the, if the ball, if the quarterback does dump it or do, do, does whatever. So this is different than our normal uh, mechanics in regards to how we're going to cover a play like this. But down at the goal line, we have to be aware of that. You let the play roll out. Now he just kind of throws the ball away and it ends up being intercepted, which is fine. That's what happened. I think he would have been better off just running it off. But that's, uh, I just officiated. I don't, I don't call the play. So you can see how, though, that this can, this type of play, with all this going on, there could have been a lot of bad things that could have happened. And I, and I want you to look at me. I want you to look at me as the umpire. And, you know, and, and this isn't just to say, oh, look at Tim. I just, this is just important as you're getting ready to work your games and if, you're, if you get in a situation like this where you find yourself in mechanics that you don't normally do but you have to adjust because of the goal line, these are little tips that remind you. So if you watch, I'm right here. And watch what I do after the ball is thrown. I check. I check. I want to make sure. I'm, am I good? Am I good? I check all my guys. All my guys are good. I don't know it's an interception. I don't care at this point. I'm making sure that my linemen are where they're supposed to be so I know. And is it, you know, is it for the film? Is it for me? Is it for everybody? Yeah, it's telling everybody that, hey, guess what? I'm on this. I got it. And I'm making sure that because this is a different mechanic than we normally use down here, that this play is legal. Whatever happens after behind me, this play is legal. So working, like I said, I just wanted to show that play because you, you're going to have plays like this in your game that you're going to have to adjust because if the linemen do go downfield or you know, you've got some weird stuff or the ball doesn't get back to the line of scrimmage, you're going to have to make the ruling on that and you want to be ready for that. So, Mike, I'm going to go to you here real quick on this. We get down the goal line. We've talked about it before, but here's a good example of how we have to adjust our mechanics and make sure the play stays legal. Yeah, absolutely. And as the short wing, a lot of times stuff happens before the umpire has a chance to get up to the line of scrimmage. And so as a wing, you do move to the goal line and you do have to do some geometry sometimes. So it's just that goal line's real important. The line of scrimmage is also still important. 
And as a wing, I kind of like to take priority on the on the uh, line of scrimmage, even though I think mechanics book says the umpire has the uh, line of scrimmage on a pass play um, in five man mechanics. Um, I, I know that realistically um, it's hard for him to get there. So I, I, I love to talk about this kind of situation in my pregame with uh, the umpire and with the other wing. Because it's important because it's different and it's something that we don't normally do. Um, Bill plays like this. We get down to the goal line. We have to adjust our mechanics. What were some of the tips that you would give the crews when you would work? Well, first of all, one of the things that, uh, and nothing happened on this play, but the backside wing official, he's, he's got nothing he can do to help with that pass play the where it's being thrown to. He needs to make sure that he's doing uh, cleanup behind your back too. Um, Cause otherwise he's just officiating error. Um, so that that's an important thing there to remind people that they've got cleanup duties uh, behind the play. So, you know, and I think there's too many umpires that turn too quick on these plays. Uh, read your situation um, and that because uh, otherwise you're leaving that whole all 10 or 12 players to the referee. Uh, and that's a lot of people to keep an eye on. That's a real good point. And I know we like that help across the middle in regards to, you know, looking for those trap catches, but sometimes you got to stick with what you got because you, you know, you're officiating players. You're not, you know, necessarily, you know, you got you can't leave that first. You know, you, if you can help, you help. Robert, what do we got? I, I'm going to put the text line up. I, I didn't have it. I had it down so we could show, but I'm sure people have already kind of texted on this. What, what do you got? Yeah, we had a pretty good observation by one member where the positioning of the referees seems out of whack. Uh, if you look at the hash mark and look where the referee's at, the referee looks like he's um, basically right over the guard. So, Bill, why don't you comment on that positioning and what a best practice would be just to start the play? Well, again, I'm going to be commenting more from what my experiences were, but we I'd want to be wider, obviously, than a guard. Um, I'd want to be out wherever, I always said, wherever a tight end was going to line up. Uh, that's where my positioning was going to be. Um, it's I can follow a quarterback to the other side uh, going across, uh, but I, I don't want him passing my face. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be out wide, tight end, or just outside where a tight end would line up. All right, All right. so that's what, uh, where Bill's going to be. So, Robert, any other questions or, or comments on this one? No, I think you guys. I think you guys answered all of them, actually. So, well, no, we're we're good. If we got another play, let's show it. Oh, we run out of time. So <laughs> oh, we're out of time. We oh, got to go to our play of the week. Yeah, we're. It's crazy how fast this goes. So we gotta we gotta pull up our our PowerPoint because we gotta go over the play of the week from last week. So let me pull let me pull that up here real quick. So here is our play of the week from last week. So for those of you uh, who remember. This is, this is the play, and here it is in a graphic form. You've got the running back running, gets to the five-yard line. The defensive back uh, punches the ball out from behind, which causes the ball to go into the end zone, where then the running back then recovers the ball in the end zone with his forearm on the end line. So the, the, you know, the question, that was, the, that was the, the, the question that we had. So let me pull up the PowerPoint and you'll see it. And I just wanted you to see it 
visually, um, you know, how out on, because I, like I told you, I got that board specifically for that because sometimes words, you know, people can not, you know, the, the A's and the B's and the C's and the D's and stuff like that. All right, so here's the, uh, here's what the PowerPoint was. All right, so there it is in, in verbiage. Running back has the ball, B5 out score. The DB bats the ball forward from behind out of the RB's hands and where the ball was in the end zone and recovered at the end zone with forearm touching. What's the ruling? Well, 84% on Twitter got this ruling correct. And the ruling, the ruling on this one was this is a touchback, okay? So because how did the ball get into the how did the ball get into the end zone? People, you know, it was kind of we're kind of a little tricky, a little trickery on my part, where I said the team, the the defender team B bats the ball, but he bat he batted the ball in possession. This kind of kind of goes on our our conversation from last week. He bats the ball in possession. So really, Team A is the one who fumbles the ball. It doesn't matter how the ball got out of Team A's possession. They're the ones, Team A is the one who causes the ball to go in the end zone. It becomes dead there because when the ball is loose and a, and a player is touching anything out of bounds and then touches the ball, the ball is considered out of bounds. So now the ball's out of bounds in the end zone. Team A put the ball in the end zone. If Team A put the ball in the end zone and becomes dead there, in possession of Team B, or in or out or out at the back or the side of the end zone, this is a touchback. 84% of the people got this correct, so that was awesome. I'm glad to see that. So now here is our play for this week. We'll go wide on it. It's fourth and 12 at the B34, and Team A is down by one. The quarterback throws a completed pass and down at the B24 with two minutes remaining in the half. Remember this high school rules, guys. Two minutes remaining in the half. Team B is flagged for roughing the passer. So what is the ruling with the game clock and the play clock? So we're gonna we're throwing a little, just not the ruling, we want the game clock and the play clock. Once again, fourth and 12, B34, Team A is down by one. Quarterback throws the completed pass, but is down at the B24 with two minutes on the clock. Two minutes is left in the half. Team B's flag for roughing the passer. So what is your ruling on this one? You can text us. You can email us. You can do the Twitter poll. It'll be up there hopefully either tonight or tomorrow, so you want to check that out. Like it was a little bit late this week, but we'll hopefully get it up there uh, sooner than later. So that's what you got, and I hope, I wish you, I wish you luck. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes, and we'll get, to, we'll get to that, like I said, next week. So let's run around real quick, and I want to, Thank everybody for being here. Mike Billica, thank you for you know getting home and taking some time to join us. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you a ton. Hey, it's it's been great and great discussion on the goal line stuff. You just can't talk about that stuff enough. So great, great, uh, great meeting tonight. Well, I appreciate it very, very much. Thanks for being here. Bill Amanye. Bill, enjoyed it very much. I, I appreciate you taking some time to be with us. Yeah, it's good to be back. Look forward to doing some more. Yep, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. Next week at seven thirty. I'm, in, uh, I'm interested. I'm interested in the answer to this one too because it could be different penalty enforcement than the college rules. I know that's why I said high school. You're right. It could it could be Bill. It, it just it just very well might be. But uh, we'll see. 
All right, Mr. Uh, Mr. Robert Ybarra, any uh, last-minute uh, questions or comments or anything like that uh, there? And thank you for being with us, as always, of course. Well, most welcome. Tim, there, there, there are a few members that are asking a very similar question, so I don't know if we covered it or not, but I, I don't want to leave any rock unturned. So I do have, based on the members' questions, I want to make sure it was covered. It was, it was on that play there at the end when we have goal line responsibilities so the wings go to the goal line, and then you have the passer who is outside the lateral boundaries and throws a pass, and there's a question on whether or not it cleared the line of scrimmage or made it to the line of scrimmage. Who's officiating that to determine if it has or hasn't, and how nitpicky do we want on that particular case study? Did you guys cover that? Excuse me if we did. If not, now's the time. So the, the, just so I understand the question, it was that if on that play, who's going to determine if the ball got to the line of To the line of scrimmage. Yes. Are you there, Tim? Your sound. Does your sound good, Tim? I think he's trying to get the play back up. Oh, okay. I would just tell you, don't nitpick it. Anything close, it's a good throwaway. Leave it alone. I'm, 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 I'm with you there, Bill. I'm wondering Me if is, is Tim audio good though? That's I'm not hearing his audio. And, and once again, I, I really think because the wings have that call all day long, I think we still want to give it to the wings, and and I still want the wing pointing to the referee and saying, yeah, it made it past the line of scrimmage. Right. I, I don't want to turn to the umpire when I never do any other time. Yeah, and, and remember too, that ball can cross the sideline and if it would still continue or would continue and cross even out of bounds, that, that line of scrimmage goes around the world. So I don't care if the ball crosses the sideline and goes up in the stands, uh, yeah. cross to cross. I'm I'm with you 100%. I just wish Tim had us had you quoted right there. I love that. It goes around the world. I don't think Tim picked that up, Bill. That's a great quote. Yeah, I I, I firmly agree with that. I'm so glad they added that same mechanic, that same uh, philosophy to the high school book because for those of us who work multiple codes, it makes it a lot easier to know that we don't need it to be beyond the line of scrimmage inbounds. All right, I'm back. Just like the federation to do that. Though. Oh, good, good, because you got to you got to get Bill to to quote. He had a he had a, a no, great quote on this play, Tim. Yeah, we're on it. it, it the the broadcast never went off. My battery on my microphone went out. That's what the okay, problem was. So the, everything hey, did, went out. Well, did you did it go over what I said? Yeah, everything. So everybody heard that. Everybody heard everybody everything I, that you guys just said. That was all all went out um, to our members. So it was just my microphone. The battery died on my battery pack. So that's what happens when your battery dies and uh, you can't talk. So, <laughs> but the broadcast was never interrupted. All right, so, so I was in, a, in the middle of a great point myself and I heard Bill saying, yeah, don't, nick, no, don't nitpick this. But at, at the end of the day, it is the umpire. That's why the umpires, because it, our, our wing officials are moving away. And they don't have, they don't know if the, you know, they're not the line of scrimmage. But as an umpire, even if I'm looking at this as the umpire, it's, it's got to be like 
very, it, I mean, it, it's got to be one of those where, you know, grandma's going to see it and it's going to go to the 10-yard line and our wing officials probably could see it because it's going to be so obvious that that is going to happen. So, all right, well, I'm already over, but I appreciate everybody being here. Thank you so much for your time tonight. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we'll be back next week, 7.30 Central, right here at MIBTonline.com. So until then, we'll catch you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Good luck, whatever you're doing, scrimmages, games, this or that. Make it be there. That's the one last thing I'm going to say. Make them be big. Don't go with the nitpicks. Don't go with the minnows. Make them be sharks. And that's what's going to make you better. When you make them sharks and not the minnows, they're going to be like, that was a great officiated game. We'll catch you next week. So long, everybody.